Welcome to the MCW Office of Faculty Affairs podcast. Hello, my name is Christina Rungi, and I'm Associate Provost for MCW's Office of Faculty Affairs. The OFA team created this podcast to provide information on topics that support your careers and help you flourish as a faculty member at MCW. Welcome to today's podcast, where today I'm talking to Dr. Jennifer Apps, Assistant Provost of Faculty Affairs and Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Apps. So nice to see you today. Great. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about virtual world fatigue. (laughs) So let's start talking about first off, what do we mean by virtual world fatigue? You know, it's an interesting term that we can use to talk about this new transition we've all had into working in a virtual world. So we've experienced so many shifts and changes over the past year as COVID has taken over how we work and how we interact with each other. And that's impacted for so many of us how we actually engage in our work-related duties. And for a lot of us, that means now shifting to being in the virtual world a great majority of our lives. And the fatigue that goes along with that is extremely real. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Interesting that we're talking about something that's very real because it's so unreal. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So The reality of the living virtually. Yes, (laughs) exactly right. (laughs) Right. Fantastic. So, so what, um, I think the first thing that might pop into people's minds that we've all been experiencing for, you know, almost a year now is, is some sort of a screen fatigue, for example. So looking at screen, um, for much of the day, I know some of us are still, you know, we might see some patients or do some in-person education or some other things, but for the most part, I think we're still doing a lot of things, um, via screen with others. And so tell, tell us a little about that and, and what you, uh, what, what seems to be some of the burdens of that as it turns out. Absolutely. You're right. Many of us are still able to see patients face to face or engage in clinical work that allows us some interaction in, in what feels like at least something similar to a normal fashion. Uh, But any meetings that we have, any interactions uh, administratively, anything else, even education now has shifted to to screens. And we've all had to not only learn how to use these screens and make this technological jump, uh, but we've also recognized that the more time we spend in this virtual world, the more tired we are at the end of the day. And there's a lot of science behind why that is. Uh, And if we really think about how humans are used to socially interacting, it starts to make sense. So when we're sitting in a meeting, ordinarily, we would be looking around the room, we would be gauging all of the nonverbal feedback that not only are we getting for ourselves, but that people are giving to the person who's speaking at the time, We'd be registering what everybody's kind of doing around the table. We might be able to look out the window. Um, when a person is talking, we don't historically, as people, stare intently at them the entire time. <laughs> and in fact, if we do, that's considered odd. Right. <laughs> um, and yet, when we are in this virtual environment, we find ourselves in a position where we are staring at the screen the entire time. Um, And it becomes difficult. We don't tend to take visual gaze breaks the way that we would if we were live and person to person. Um, And if even if you just think about the basics of kind of how you watch TV, that makes sense when you're watching TV, staring at a screen, 
um, you do kind of stare at it, but you're often not cognitively fully engaged with what's going on on the screen. And that's one of the nice things about using virtual world as an escape for a lot of us prior to this. But now we're in a situation where we're having to try to remain cognitively engaged with everything that's going on. And so we have this constant visual gaze that's going on at the same time. We're also not getting the same nonverbal cues because it doesn't matter how much you try to stare at everybody on the screen. You're not catching all of that the way that you usually do. So you're not getting all that nonverbal feedback that you need socially to know what's really going on. And to top it all off, and this is the one that I think a lot of people identify with, most of the time you're also staring at yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's also not something we do. So we historically don't walk around with the mirror and stare at ourselves in the mirror for hours on hours a day. And yet now we have this tiny little tile that has this perfect little picture of us that shows everything that's going on from, you know, how we're dressed to how we're presenting to every hair that might be out of place. And that staring at ourselves becomes very exhausting as well. That's Right. You don't really think about that. We just don't stare at ourselves. And and also, I wonder if that what, what that does to your um, because we we all would find ourselves, you know, you kind of you look at that tile, you know, you look at it like what's the lighting or you just you do find yourself looking or, or like, um, you know, if you if you're presenting and there are only a few tiles at the top, you're one of them and you can't help but kind of look at yourself. And that is really different. And I know that socially we're we're used to getting I mean, we're wired to get cues from other people. That's like Correct. by definition, right? We're supposed to be. So I wonder what that's doing to our mirror neurons even or, or, or how we're hardwired to even take social cues when we're just looking at ourselves and like feeding ourselves information. I think that's just got to be very unusual for our neural processes, honestly. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And a and little bit that the, the people look at it, um, it, it shows it is actually truly stressful. It raises our our stress level, our physiological stress reaction to have to be looking at our own face constantly. So, um, you know, it, 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 there is a lot of legitimacy to that exhaustion that we feel at the end of a long day. And, um, and, and, you know, that begs the question then of, well, what about just turning yourself off so that you're not seeing yourself or, or turning your camera off? And, and so I think that there are, some suggestions around those things that that are helpful. Um, But we get back to that first point, and that is that we're still looking for cues. We're looking for cues about what's going on. And when we're not getting the nonverbal feedback that we're used to from everyone around us, then to to not see ourselves either gives us no information. And then that makes it even uh, very, very difficult to then be cognitively engaged in what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And, And so kind of to your point about, you know, getting the nonverbal cues and reading things and, and uh, being able to engage in that way normally in person. So I'm guessing that those are also what feeds uh, our sense of connection. Because I know I hear a lot about in this virtual world, even, you know, just looking at each other, even though we're together and we're talking, it's on the screen that there's still a sense of a lack of connection to some degree. Do you think that that's, that's a piece of this too? Absolutely. I think that they're all interweaving. You know, on the one hand, we talk about this new virtual world has allowed us some new ways to connect with people. We see, uh, as we like to call it, the, the kid bomb or the the, pe- the spouse bomb or the, the pet bomb, you know, <laughs> that comes running into the meeting. You know, we would have never had a chance to see some of these more intimate and personal sides of a person's life before this. And 
And there is some positive to that. But at the same time, you're not able to have that hallway discussion. You're not able to have the water cooler discussion, as you might call it. Um, These sideline personal conversations that you have with colleagues in particular that really are a foundation uh, behind a lot of the connection we feel. And, And those things having not happened now for quite a long time for several for a lot of us that 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 starts to be fatiguing in and of itself as well. Yeah, I guess I'll take a silver lining moment. Um, One interesting thing, like you said, though, is it um, I'm able to see more people during the day like that I might not have otherwise had run across campus to see or schedule a different time. And so in some ways, there's some efficiency with it. And then also, I know I've gotten together with some of my friends from grad school <laughs> and then you, you know <laughs> yeah. we'll have a little happy hour or something so you know one's in Australia and they're all over the world and so that's been sort of so then I wonder if it's more about replacing a normal connection so those are connections I wouldn't have had otherwise so those feel True. energizing to me and that feels very positive like wow I saw my friends from grad school it's been years since we've been able to do that but when I'm replacing what I would normally do in person with a screen. I think that there's just this different sort of like processing I do with that or something. I don't know. Absolutely. And the other thing you have to recognize is while that is a positive that we can now um, see people at a quicker rate, we can, we can see people back to back in a way that we couldn't do before. That's also leading to a really increased level of burden for a lot of people, because now with no travel time, with no break time in between meetings, people will end up scheduled back to back in a way that that sometimes doesn't even allow them to take a, a bathroom break. You know, whereas before you would naturally have to schedule some travel time between meetings or even just that walk that we would take across our beautiful large campus. Um, and, and recognizing that by not doing that anymore, we're not getting up and moving, we're not, not getting any fresh air, we're staying glued to those screens for extended periods of time. Um, And so while some of those interactions definitely can be more energizing, like you said, um, the, we also want to be thinking about the, the total burden over time as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Cause even if you're switching topics, I found that's hard. Like I'll have one meeting about one topic and then literally click a leave button and the join button. And then I'm in a completely different topic and my brain is still (laughs) on the previous one or I don't even, sometimes I don't even know where, but so what would you recommend, um, for, for folks then, because because it's sort of, it's our reality now. So we've obviously talked about all the different experiences that we've had in some of the difficulties, yeah. but, but yeah, what would you recommend people do then, given that this is maybe our normal, and to some degree moving forward might actually stay in place. So how do we manage this? So actually, I think the very first thing that comes to my mind uh, from a cognitive behavioral perspective is to really work on your personal cognition and your shift to accepting that this is not going to be the same. Um, and so that's something that I think is is easier said than done. Um, and I know personally, some days I do it much better than others, <laughs> but we are, we are going to have to get to a place where we cognitively allow ourselves to understand that scheduling meetings, and as you just said, that's a perfect example, that shift takes a large cognitive burden. And so being able to shift and, and still engage and have all this this energy that we're putting forth in this virtual world means that our productivity sometimes on certain days is not going to look the same as it did 
when we could do these things in person. And so that's the first huge step forward. And then there's some very concrete behavioral things you can do to kind of help with that. And that's all of this seems very common sense. But again, I think particularly for highly productive people, we (laughs) tend to not always do these things, even though we know we should. Um, And it's making sure we take breaks. So scheduling those. Um, I have found for myself, I have to do that. And ironically, sometimes it's those very things we're talking about, those more personal things that can help us with that. So a lot of us got pets over the the pandemic. Um, Schedule your time to take that pet for a walk or go even just sit with it and have some away time from the screen Um, or schedule yourself to take that cup of coffee or that lunch that instead of having it in front of your meeting and turning your camera on and off while you're trying to take a bite so you're not embarrassing yourself, just schedule that time to step aside and get away from the screen for a little while. Um, The other thing you should probably try to do is, is work on not multitasking. And that's another really challenging thing, I think, in the virtual world for a lot of us that are highly productive. Um, we tend to feel like we should be doing more than one thing because we can kind of get away with it in a way, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is you can't. Um, you're, you're putting even more cognitive demand on yourself and, and really um, increasing that level of stress. And so giving yourself that time to be present in the meeting is just as important now as it was back when you were physically sitting in the room. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. So I guess maybe in a nutshell to you're saying like what we need to do moving forward will work with our brains and not work against them, right? So this yes, that's a great way. Okay, <laughs> that's fantastic. I do love that advice and I agree, schedule, scheduling some time in there and just getting away from the screen, having a cup of coffee. And in fact, that's kind of something we could take advantage of now. It's like you yes. can you can do that in ways and do some things that refresh you in ways that we couldn't before if you have a a day of back to back. I know, again, a lot of people are still, you know, maybe popping in and out of the lab, having clinic days and things like that. But for those days when you are full on, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. And and I would say, you know, the other thing to remember too, if you are somebody who's going back and forth between a lab or between your clinics, the other thing I've seen a lot of people start doing is they try to jump onto these virtual meetings while they're in the middle of those activities. Um, And I'm guilty of that too. And, and now all of a sudden I feel like, oh, no, I should take that meeting because actually I could log in while I'm driving and I could listen while I'm in my car. And I actually did that just this morning for a meeting. And, and yet we need to recognize that just because we are a little more accessible to these things, we still it's still okay to have some of these boundaries and to recognize that uh, we, we don't have to do every single thing that comes across. We still have to make our priorities and make sure we're making good choices about when we're scheduling ourselves. Um, And then from there, also recognizing that maybe sometimes you can attend a meeting that you turn your camera off for and taking those, those camera breaks when, when you can. And, and then also making sure you set those expectations for other people. If you're the one leading a meeting, let people know if you want the cameras on or off, or if, if you do want them on, then encourage people to have them on, but but do it with compassion and say, you know, engage with us, but engage with us at your, at your pace and with what you have available at the moment. And if you need to turn off your camera for a minute, that's okay. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. The absolutely you want to lead with compassion and we want to give ourselves and everyone else a lot of compassion and grace now. And I totally agree. I think, I think that's, that definitely applies to this, but then to a a lot of things. (laughs) happening. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Well, if we can all go with, yeah. if we yeah. can all go with grace and give each other 
a little compassion going forward it and have compassion, self-compassion as well. I think that we'll all be in a, in a much better place. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, um, Jennifer. This has been really fascinating. And um, I guess a shout out to, to um, if there anything beyond what we discussed today uh, and resources for wellness and well-being and, and coping strategies and things, we do have so many resources on the Faculty Affairs site. Uh, the COVID-19 page at MCW2 has a lot. And I think there's at least one, maybe two podcasts that we also talk about the wellness resources and well-being. So, um, so yeah, definitely um, wait, yep. ways to address those two. Yeah. I would add people can watch for the wellness newsletter that comes out once a month. And in there is also a wellness calendar, a calendar of events that um, gives you access to additional kinds of activities that are going on um, or other suggestions. Okay, fantastic. I think one just came out like... Uh, a couple Just days that? ago or something. Yeah. I guess it depends on when you're listening to this podcast as to when it came <laughs> <That's> out. <right>. Every <laughs> second Wednesday. The <laughs> second Wednesday of the month. That's when it comes out. Second Wednesday of the month. Right. So now you know where it is sitting in your inbox of all those. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for your expertise today. This has just been fantastic and really, really appreciate this. It's definitely our reality. And uh, thanks so much for your professional advice on, on how we can how we can manage it. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Take care. Wonderful. You too. <laughs> The OFA pod is produced by the MCW Office of Faculty Affairs. For more information, please search for Faculty Affairs on InfoScope. If you have questions from today's podcast or any topic, please contact us at facultyaffairs at mcw.edu. Thank you for listening. <laughs>